What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Clee Talk, presented by FenleyRoadSports.com. I am your host, Bob, I'm hanging out, talking my favorite hometown Cleveland sports with my older brother, Chris. Chris, what's going on, man? Not much. I'm feeling a little distracted here. Uh, it's going to be tough to record, a lot of outside noise and things like that. So um, hopefully mm-hmm. we can limit the distractions while we uh, record for long enough so we can record a successful podcast, Bob. Yeah, my front the front office had a had a long debate as to whether or not to bring you in here. So, um, you're on a short leash to to say the mm-hmm. least. Um, <laughs> well, obviously we're making some jokes here. Uh, Joe Thomas in, in the news last week uh, making some tweets about offering his reasons why Colin Kaepernick is not on a NFL roster. The Browns notably uh, have had a void at the quarterback position for uh, eight years now and, and going strong um, they still haven't really solved that issue Colin Kaepernick is still a free agent um, you know Kaepernick is drawing zero interest right now Chris this is a guy that was a, a starter for the 49ers led them to a Super Bowl looked like he was on the verge of stardom and uh, he slowly has regressed but still there he has some stuff left in the tank I mean uh, if you look at his numbers from last year uh, he didn't start all the games, but he, he definitely showed that he can be a competent quarterback. But uh, Chris, zero interest for Colin Kaepernick in, in this offseason. Nobody's biting. This is a guy that the Browns were allegedly interested in last year acquiring it via trade, but that fell through. Uh, Chris, do you agree with Joe Thomas's comments that Colin Kaepernick is a distraction, or do you think there's something else at play? Okay, well, so first off, um, about Colin Kaepernick, there, there's no doubt in my mind that the perceived distraction – is the reason why he's not signed just yet okay I mean I'm not saying he's a great quarterback but in a league of 32 teams uh, this guy is definitely starting caliber doesn't mean he's a franchise quarterback because to me the cutoff for franchise quarterbacks you got to be about a top 12 to top 15 guy elite quarterback you have to be really in the top five or six so Colin Kaepernick certainly isn't there but if you're going to expand that range all the way to 32 uh, there's no reason with with as quarterback starved as this league is why Colin Kaepernick isn't on a roster. So so there's no question in my mind that Colin Kaepernick isn't signed because of his protests during the national anthem last year. Um, whether you agree with it or not, um, that that I believe is the primary reason why he isn't signed. Uh, no one, no team is ever going to say it. No team, you, you, you kind of can't prove collusion because no teams are really, you know, talking about it or anything like that. But there's no doubt in my mind that that's why he isn't signed. In a league where Mike Glennon's getting big money and, you know, Josh McCown is on his 14th different team, uh, you know, guys who, in my opinion, I don't think have the resume of Colin Kaepernick. He played in a Super Bowl. He was a starting quarterback on a Super Bowl team. He has shown that he can be one of the more electrifying players in this league. He has potential. And again, in a league that's quarterback starved, there's no doubt that this is why he isn't signed. Now, the debatable point is whether or not it's a distraction. Yes, certainly caused a stir among the fans. And certainly there was an outcry about his protests but to me I don't necessarily look at Colin Kaepernick in the same light as I look at some of these other athletes who have significant off-field issues Um, I think those are more of a distraction than what Colin Kaepernick did 
Let's not forget that when his jersey sale increased because of the protest, he donated those proceeds to charity. He did make a positive gesture and was trying to do something and, and advance the conversation about significant issues in our society in a peaceful way that honestly didn't physically harm anyone. Okay, It was a nonviolent protest. He was making a statement and I didn't have a problem with him exercising his right to do that. A lot of people did and certainly now there are teams who feel the negative press of, of fans not reacting well to that. And I, I definitely think that that is the primary reason why he is not on a roster right now. I, I, I agree with you. Um, I think, yes, the, the only reason he is not on a team is that there is a perceived distraction. I think it's unfair to just generalize what the situation is with Kaepernick and only say that it's a distraction just like any other uh, player in the past that has run into off the field issues that has created a media story Um, you know his case is unique because he hasn't done anything wrong he's actually done really good with everything that he's done now you could disagree with what he said and what he's done but he has brought zero harm to anybody or anything uh, as you alluded to Um, so the distraction I think we have to drill down a little bit and just acknowledge that he is not signed on an NFL team because teams are scared of talking about politics and don't want to bring that into the fold. And it's such a polarizing field that uh, they, they just don't want to deal with it. And I think that's very hypocritical considering um, some of the backup quarterbacks that have been given a second chance. Let's start with the most famous one, Michael Vick. I mean, the guy went to jail Uh, And I, you know, he served his time unlike a lot of people, but he got a second chance and was a backup quarterback. He was a backups backup quarterback. He was the third stringer coming out of that jail time. Uh, Look at Tim Tebow. Now he hasn't done anything bad either, but I mean, he brings just as large of a media distraction as anything Colin Kaepernick has done. And he latched on to two or three teams before finally getting uh, the boot out of the NFL. So you know, going back to the original question that we posited, do we agree with Joe Thomas's tweets that, that he made about Cap? Because, uh, you know, I, I do respect Joe Thomas and, and everything that he stands for for the Browns. I, I disagree that the uh, statement that NFL teams accept zero distractions from their backup QBs, that's not true at all. We can go back uh, as far back as uh, Ryan Leaf and, and see that he got a second chance with another team after San Diego. We can even look at the Cleveland Browns who drafted Johnny Manziel to be a backup initially uh, that is a guy huge rife with distractions distractions that are morally I would say worse than what Colin Kaepernick has ever done so I think that it's unfair that we are lumping all these guys into the same question same group of a distraction when uh, Kaepernick hasn't done anything wrong I I applaud a lot of things that he's done I think NFL teams are are just scared and shy and and don't want to bring that debate uh, into their media room and, and into their locker room. Bob, I, I agree 100% with what you said. Let me just make another point here. A guy who attempted 14 passes, completed 57% of them for one touchdown and one interception, has a contract. That guy's name is Geno Smith. Geno Smith was signed before Colin Kaepernick, this free agency. Now, I understand Geno Smith coming out of college had a lot of potential, and looked like he could be a really good quarterback. 
But when you look at the two, they're very similar. They have to rely well on their running game to open things up in the passing game. And uh, Colin Kaepernick has much better stats than Geno Smith throughout his career. And, and even last year, I mean, the guy completed 59% of his passes. Certainly. Not bad. 16 touchdowns to four interceptions. That is really not bad. Now, he did have seven fumbles, to be totally fair, so 11 total turnovers. 2,200 yards in 12 games. Again, if you're looking for a backup quarterback or a low-tier starting quarterback with high upside, Colin Kaepernick should be on a team. I mean, there is no question that his skill set is good enough to start in this league. Again, not saying he's a franchise quarterback, though he's shown that in the past. He led a team to the Super Bowl as the starter. And he definitely has shown that he could be at least a top-tier backup quarterback, if not a very serviceable starting quarterback, more so than Geno Smith has. So you're absolutely right, Bob. The, the only reason this guy isn't on a team is because he went to the third rail and got political. And I agree 100%. NFL teams just do not want to talk about politics. They do not want to want that. You see how polarizing America is, how polarizing fans can be. Not just fans, but people in general can be. And, you know, they're trying to appeal to a wide range of fans, uh, liberals, conservatives, whatnot. And, and, and Colin Kaepernick had made himself a bit of a lightning rod. He knew what he was getting into. And like you, I, I commend him for doing it. And, and I don't think that he should be punished for speaking his mind and expressing himself in a peaceful, nonviolent way. Guy hasn't committed a crime. But, but I certainly agree with Joe Thomas in the sense that that's why he's not on a team. And I also agree with you that there is a long history of quarterbacks and plenty of NFL players. Look at Greg Hardy. I mean, talk about a distraction. The Dallas Cowboys gave him another chance. Now, that wasn't a quarterback, uh, but but certainly you know what he did was way more deplorable than what Colin Kaepernick did. Uh, you look you look at Michael Vick with the dog fighting. You look at as you mentioned. So so there there are a lot of examples of players with distractions. Uh, going on to an NFL roster. The other part of Joe Thomas's tweet I want to talk about is um, how distractions are overrated. He said that distractions are one of the most overrated and tangible things, and I, I agree 100% with that. 2007, the Patriots had uh, Spygate hang, hanging over their head. That didn't stop them from almost going undefeated, uh, going 16-0 and and almost finishing it off. Uh, you look at uh, the fleet gate for the Patriots the last couple of years, that certainly hasn't stopped them from getting the three straight AFC championship games in that span, two Super Bowls, and two Super Bowl titles. So I, I, I agree with him in that regard that I think distractions are highly overrated. Um, but the reality of the situation is he's right. Colin Kaepernick is not on a team because of the actions he took last season. Yeah, again, I I agree, and I, I with that Joe Thomas tweet, I I I agree with you there. And just to to round out what he said, he said good teams don't let themselves be distracted. You know, you you all of the uh, potential distractions that you named were Patriots distractions. That's one of the most cohesive, well-run franchises in all of sports. They are able to overcome anything like that. I don't think uh, that applied can apply can be applied to every NFL team or, or any sports team there are certainly some that in the past have you know crumbled under the, under the pressure of uh, too many stars in the locker room or, or too many off the field distractions where the talent was there and they just fell apart so I, I agree with that uh, completely and wholeheartedly um, you know I, I, I not every team is in the market for a quarterback and even 
the Browns, while they desperately do need a quarterback, you know, they, they're looking at this draft, looking to, to add another one. They already have three on the roster and are paying Brock Osweiler big money, potentially to not even be on the team. So, you know, from a Cleveland standpoint and from some teams in the league, they're not in the market for the quarterback. So I can't hold them accountable for this. But I do think, you know, again, just drilling down past the distraction label, I, th- I, I do think that what Kaepernick has done, who he is, what he has said, uh, I, I, I think owners, GMs are personally at odds with him. And I, I think that there are teams in this league that are choosing to that that w- would need a quarterback and would benefit greatly from having Kaepernick on the team on the field uh but because of their his political views and their political views I, I just think that they are looking the other way and want nothing to do with him I do think that it's a little bit deeper than just a, a normal distraction I think that there is some actual personal disagreement in it uh that may or may not be true it wouldn't surprise me it, it certainly wouldn't surprise me uh just given the fact that most billionaires or most wealthier people tend to be more conservative Uh, i i'm not going to go that far because i i I have no idea exactly what teams are thinking you know some teams may legitimately think that he doesn't have it anymore and i I don't want to go that far but i also think that to be fair to nfl teams tony romo is holding up the quarterback market dallas not releasing him or trading him has put a logjam for every other quarterback on the free agent market. Specifically, Houston and Denver are both kind of hoping Romo can fall to them. And I think once Romo's situation is played out, that might loosen things up for everyone else, including Colin Kaepernick. So to be fair, there are other factors at play. But I also believe wholeheartedly that, you know, Colin Kaepernick led a team to the Super Bowl. He has good numbers. In a league of 32 teams, there's no reason why he should be sitting on the free agent market this long, especially when you have two teams in Houston and Denver that could use a quarterback that has had that kind of success in the past. So uh, while while I do think Tony Romo is complicating things, Colin Kaepernick probably should be signed by now. Yeah, definitely. I I, I... Yes, Tony Romo. If he were, if he moved, that would certainly uh, fr- free up things. As you said, uh, I'm repeating exactly what you said. But that didn't stop Mike Lennon, Brian Hoyer, Josh McCowan, Geno Smith, EJ Manuel from uh, you know the 45 million dollar deal that Mike Lennon signed to the one year 800 thousand dollar deal that EJ Manuel signed. You know, quarterbacks have moved, and, and lots of teams have signed them backup quarterbacks. I mean, I, I would consider Colin Kaepernick a backup quarterback at this point. And you could probably get him at, at a fine rate. Um, I, I don't think there are only two teams left that, that need a quarterback in, in Denver and Houston. There are other teams out there that, that could benefit greatly from having Cap as a backup. So while I, I agree with you, yes, Tony Romo, once he moves, things will happen again and, and will pick up in the quarterback market. But we've already seen a, a lot of quarterbacks move and, and, and sign large lucrative deals. So so. They, they clearly looked past Kaepernick and went uh, in a different direction. And lots of times I think these guys were of lesser caliber and talent. For, uh, absolutely. Well, it'll certainly be interesting to see what happens with Colin Kaepernick. But but to, to allude to your earlier point, Bob, I mean, everyone says the Browns still need a quarterback. Technically, they did make a move for a quarterback. They acquired Brock Osweiler, paying him big money. 
And a lot of people, when free agency was roaring, expected another move to come, either another trade or Brock Osweiler being released. Uh, But the longer that goes on, it looks more and more likely that Osweiler could be the Browns' plan. Now, there are significant reports from reputable Cleveland writers saying that there still is a, a, you know, Osweiler might not be entrenched and, and, and we still have the NFL draft to play out. But Bob, the longer Osweiler remains on this roster, the more likely it is he is their plan going forward into 2017. Yeah, it certainly seems to, to be that way. Obviously, the draft is right around the corner and, and there are things happening there. And I wouldn't be surprised if they bring in a rookie there. But um, the, as each day passes, it looks more and more likely that Osweiler is at least going to get a look in, in camp and he's going to take some reps and they might actually find something in him. So uh, that's that's interesting. Um, you know, speaking of that draft, uh, the, the consensus number one pick, Miles Garrett, you know, Brown's obviously owning that number one pick and everyone believes that the Browns are going to take this guy. Uh, it, during the NFL Combine, Miles Garrett blew all the defensive linemen and out of the water with his with his numbers uh posting top five marks uh, amongst all defensive linemen and just about everything uh had a 4.64 second 40 yard dash at the combine he had a pro day uh last week and actually ran a faster time at 4.62 chris this is a, a guy that has had huge productivity playing at texas a&m and now he's just posting off the chart uh, physical metrics leading into the draft. Does this cement your view that, that Garrett is, is going to be that number one pick? I would be very surprised if the Browns didn't take Miles Garrett or Jonathan Allen number one overall in this draft, given the move they made for Brock Osweiler. Um, I'm not 100% sure, but just me, this is me talking. I don't know what the Browns are thinking. I am not enamored with the quarterbacks in this draft. I don't think any one of them can come right in and play. So I think the Browns are content in building up the team, taking best available guys and plugging in a lot of needs and going with a guy like Osweiler who is has shown he can play in this league before. And you know, Osweiler may not be the answer, but at least he is pro ready. And if you get a better team around him, maybe he bounces back to 2015. That that is kind of where I'm leaning. The Browns are think the Browns are going. It wouldn't. The only thing I can think of is maybe they trade the number one overall pick, but I don't want them to do that. I want them to identify the best talent in the draft, whoever it is. If it's Miles Garrett, Jonathan Allen, or even one of the quarterbacks, I don't care. I want them to get the best player in this draft with that pick, and everything is pointing to Miles Garrett being that. So, so if they draft him number one overall, I would be very happy. Yeah, I, I would too. Uh, I do think the Browns need to take a quarterback in this draft. Uh, as I look at the available players and, and read the news that that's coming out and read all the mock drafts that are coming out, I think the Browns have a good chance of landing Garrett and also getting the guy that they want uh, probably with that second pick in the first round, the, the number 12 overall. And they have the ammunition uh, in later rounds to you know move up a, a slot or two to and identify that quarterback and, and get that quarterback I would be ecstatic if they land Miles Garrett, though, regardless of what they do with those other picks. I think he is certainly the best sure thing in this draft. Uh, the, the Browns made big noise in free agency, but they did not add a single defensive lineman to their roster. And this is a defensive unit that is moving to a from a 3-4 to a 4-3. So they need more hands-in-the-dirt defensive linemen. Miles Garrett is is a perfect 4-3 defensive end. I think it, it's going to happen absolutely 
obviously, like you said, if there is a trade, uh, I'd have to look at the value of that trade. I mean, if somebody blows them out of the water, I mean, you can't pass that up if you're uh, in the position that the Browns in, they could use all the, the added value that they can get. But if they stand pat, I think Miles Garrett is the pick for sure. Yeah, I, I really think there's only two options at number one. They're either going to take Miles Garrett or trade the pick. I, again, I think Jonathan Allen is in play because I do think they want to go defense. But uh, to me, when you have a shot to get a guy like Garrett who has shown nothing but who's only improved his draft stock as the offseason goes on, why wouldn't you take a chance on the consensus number one talent? So I think it's either going to be Miles Garrett or a trade. I don't think they will draft the quarterback number one. But Bob, like you, I'm not ruling out the possibility that they address it later because I just don't think anyone in the league is enamored with this quarterback class. So I think you can get a guy at 12 or maybe even get a guy at 33 if you've identified a guy later in the draft as maybe being underrated. So I, I, I think that's their plan. Yeah, yeah, that seems to be the case. Uh, again, we will keep you posted as more draft news comes out. Uh, the draft is but a little bit under a month away, so we will certainly uh, ramp up our draft coverage and keep you posted uh, of all the news and rumors coming uh, out of that. And the Browns, with so many picks, are obviously going to be players in just about every situation. But we uh, turn now to basketball. Uh, It happened, Chris. The Cleveland Cavaliers are now sitting in the second seed after what was a a rough uh, stretch of games uh, against really quality opponents, losing to Washington, uh, San Antonio, an embarrassing loss to San Antonio, if I, if I uh, say so myself, and then a loss to, to the Chicago Bulls uh, on Thursday before finally winning against the 76ers on Friday. So they are now squarely a game behind Boston for that second seed. Uh, this sets up what is a key end of the season showdown uh, against Boston on Wednesday on ESPN. Chris, uh, you know, looking at the NBA standings in the East, we're about two weeks away from the end of the NBA regular season. The playoffs start on April 15th. Um, it looks like Boston, Cleveland, Washington, Toronto, that's the top four. What What do you want to happen for Cleveland? Do you want them to reclaim that first seed? Do you want them to sit at two? Uh, who do you want them to play in that first round matchup? What do you want to, to happen a, a, as the cards start to fall? Well, yeah, there's a six and a half gap between four and five, Washington and Milwaukee. So so I would be completely stunned if the top four seeds change, if, if somebody else breaks into the top four. Um, but interestingly enough, between Milwaukee and Indiana, five through nine, there's only a two and a half game separation. So the bottom half of the standings is just as exciting as the top half of the standings. Uh, and then you look at the top half, the Celtics are number one, but the Wizards and Raptors are tied at three and a half games out of first. So it is conceivable that Washington or Toronto could rise up and possibly break into the top two. A little bit longer of a shot, but but there are enough games left that if the Celtics or the Cavs get really cold, those two teams could sneak in there. But I think the likely outcome will be Boston, Cleveland, one or two, Toronto, Washington, three or four. What I would like to happen is I don't really care if the Browns are one. I mean, not the Browns, the Cavs. The, the Browns are not going to be one or two. The Cavs finish. I don't care if they're one or two. I just want Washington to be on the opposite side of the bracket. That's all I care about. I, ideally, I would like Washington and Toronto to be on the same side of the bracket. I would much rather play Boston in the semifinals than either of those two, but I don't think that's going to happen. 
Uh, so as long as Washington gets on the same side as Boston, I don't care if it's one or two. Yeah, I, I was looking at that as well. I I think of those three teams, Washington certainly scares me the most, uh, even though uh, Toronto and Boston have had a little bit more uh, Toronto, especially, you know, making to that Eastern Conference Finals last year. They've had more playoff success than, than the Wizards, but I think the Wizards have finally clicked and they're on to something. And, and with that loss uh, this late in the season, I, I just think the Cavs would fare better against the Raptors and Celtics. They know how to take down those teams in the playoffs. They've done it before. Um, looking at the, the other side of the bracket, though, I mean, I, I know you said you don't care where the Cavs end up. But is there an ideal opponent uh, from that Bucks down to the Pacers that, that you want the Cavs to have in the first round? I honestly want the Cavs to avoid Milwaukee. I think they're the most dangerous of that group. And I'm calling the shot right now. A Milwaukee-Boston series will result in, I believe, a Boston upset. I think Milwaukee would knock them out in the first round. So I'm really hoping that that materializes. But other than that, I do don't think any of those other teams are any significant threats to any of the top four seeds. I think at the I, I think the only intriguing series will be the one involving Milwaukee. Yeah, and I think it's pretty likely that Milwaukee ends up with a, a five or six seed, and I don't think the Cavs will drop down to four or three. So I, I think they're going to avoid that matchup. Um, but looking at that seven through nine, currently what the standings have, uh, it's the Bulls, the Heat, and the Pacers. And all three of those are just really intriguing matchups. I mean, you got the Bulls who have uh, given the Cavs a lot of struggle, a lot of trouble uh, in the regular season. Dwayne Wade's on the team. LeBron just seems to freeze up uh, when he's played Dwayne Wade in the second return to, to Cleveland. He hasn't performed a uh, his teams haven't performed really well against him. You got the return to Miami, a potential matchup there. And then obviously you have the matchup against Paul George, who, you know, just a few years ago when, when LeBron was in Miami, that was, we thought that that would be the Eastern Conference Finals for the next foreseeable future. So I think all three of those are, are really intriguing. And I'm not sure which of those I would prefer to for the Cavs to face up. I guess, you know, in terms of talent, it would be Miami. But LeBron going back to Miami for a playoff series, I mean, that's that that would just be odd. So so they all offer some some intriguing possibilities. What are your thoughts on those? Well, Dwayne Wade won't be a factor. He's out for the season with the elbow. So Very true. unfortunately that uh w- would have been one of the best storylines of the first round, but it won't materialize. So uh, I, I think LeBron has owned the Bulls minus Dwayne Wade in his career that I'm not scared of them at all and and that was a better version of Chicago the Miami Heat would also be an intriguing LeBron storyline but when Deion Waiters is arguably your best player I'm not too scared of them I know Deion has played well but he's also been hurt since March 17th so uh, not exactly at full strength so Again, Paul George, another intriguing matchup with you know Indiana, Jeff Teague. But but again, none of these teams, and Atlanta has just not matched up well with Cleveland, and that was before they traded away a lot of their good players. So I'm not scared of any of those four teams, to tell you the truth. They just they just none of them. I don't think will make any noise in the first round, absent a catastrophic injury to one of the top four seeds. Yeah, I'm, I'm not worried either about about uh, you know the Cavs potentially losing to any of those uh, teams, but with LeBron now you know owning the Eastern Conference over the last ten years, you you get these intriguing matchups and these reunions that I think uh, you know are a little bit more entertaining than just your typical 
one or two seed versus seven or eight seed. So it'll be interesting how it shakes out. And obviously there are uh, a couple different ways it could fall and, and they all offer some interesting storylines. So um, we'll keep an eye on that as we finally get to the end of the regular season and actually see some real competitive playoff NBA basketball, which will be exciting. Um, Chris, as we are recording this podcast, real MLB games are being played. Uh, there, there are a few going on today on Sunday, Oh, I'm super pumped that there is uh, baseball back. It's actual baseball games, not some preseason or spring training like that. Uh, so, yeah, I'm super pumped. Fantasy team knocking on wood off to a good start so far, thanks to Chris Archer beating the Yankees. Uh, so, and Madison Bumgardner has hit two home runs already, so that's pretty insane. I know he's on your fantasy team, Bob. So, uh, we, we've got some baseball. Three opening day games on Sunday. Normally, it's just Sunday night baseball, but they went the 1, the 4.30, and the 8.30 slot. And then, of course, the Cubs and the Cardinals, as we record, will uh, throw their first pitch tonight. But, yeah, I'm super pumped. Uh, uh, oddly enough, Bob, I was covering a softball game yesterday. It was like 40 degrees out, so it was freezing. So, it, it didn't feel like baseball weather up here, but it's refreshing to see actual baseball being played and uh it's, it's going to be a very fun week it's always very exciting for teams to uh kick off the baseball season yeah definitely i i'm, I'm very excited as well unfortunately uh, i don't get any uh benefit for madison baumgartner hitting home runs other than it, it helps him uh notch a win in our fantasy league I, I wish pitchers could uh positively contribute to your offensive stats that'd be sweet no you don't because for every one bomb gardener, you'd have six bums. No, I said I said positively contribute. You. So like, oh, positively. Yeah. Well, you can't just take the good and not the bad. Sure, it's a pitcher hitting home run. <laughs> no, 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 no. That should definitely be a you bonus. <laughs> maybe a bonus. I don't know. Maybe, maybe maybe they'll figure something out. But then then they're. I, mean, I think in NL only leagues, I, I wouldn't have a problem with that. But in mixed leagues, that would be a little weird. That's true. That that would probably skew it towards NL. Um, but there is some news uh, coming out from, from the Indians camp as they broke spring training and are, are set for their opening day on, on Monday. Uh, Lonnie Chisholm, Jason Kipnis opening the season on the DL. That frees up some roster spots. Uh, interestingly, we talked a lot uh, last week about Giovanni Urshela and how we wish that he uh, you know, would claim a roster spot because uh, we thought that he would start at third base in, in lieu of Kipnis starting the DL and Jose Ramirez moving over to second base. It uh, turns out Urshela is optioned now to AAA, and Yandy Diaz, uh, who was an outfielder last year, is going to be the starting third baseman uh, for the Cleveland Indians. Probably some combination of Abraham Almonte, Brandon Geyer, and Austin Jackson will fill in for Chisholm Hall in the outfield. But Chris, Yandy Diaz, we mentioned him briefly in our preview podcast, but uh, certainly has the bat, a right-handed bat. He hit 458 in spring training, uh, two home runs and 15 RBIs. But this is a, a, a an Indians team that was known for their defense last year. Urshela had the glove. Uh, Yanni Diaz, we don't even know really what he has right now um, and, and could certainly be a liability on that hot corner. But um, are you intrigued by the move to, to go with Diaz instead of Urshela? Well, you got to be intrigued because of what he did in spring training at the plate, and that's certainly what got him the roster spot. Uh, now, now to be fair, he's an outfielder by trade, so he's trying to pick up third base to make the team. 
commend him for that. But Bob, as we know, it's not an easy switch. Uh, Lonnie Chisinau was a third baseman. Going to the outfield seems to be the easier route to go from third to the outfield, uh, not the other way around. So that will certainly be an interesting thing to watch. Um, it's not like Giovanni Urshela is, is you know, cast away and never coming back. I, I imagine if the Yande Diaz struggles, Urshela is just a phone call away and they can bring his glove back up to nail down that hot corner. Uh, but if Yandy Diaz sticks and shows promise at third base, now you've got another swing man. And say Jason Kipnis comes back before Lonnie Chisenhall, you know, Yandy Diaz may man the corner outfield spot. Because let's just be real. I mean, I think Tyler Naquin and Michael Brantley are pretty solid starters that they're going to go with more. But that right field corner is going to be a platoon between Geyer, Jackson. You know, you'll see some Almonte filling in with Naquin a bit at center. Uh, so so I don't think Lonnie Chisinau is a 100% locked-in starter. I think Yandy Diaz, if he hits well, and certainly if he can play third too, um, might just work his way into the roster. So uh, a, a golden opportunity to show what he can do at the plate. Um, even if he's not great defensively, if he hits well, they might be able to move him back to his more natural position if Jason Kipnis, when Jason Kipnis comes back. Yeah, it certainly offers potential. I think that that's what we were getting at when we were talking so much about Urshela is that we wanted one of these prospects to stick and kind of solidify and offer some fallback for if any of these guys regress or get hurt. There's another guy that can step up a la Jose Ramirez last year or Naquin or Francisco Linder two years ago. So uh, I'm surprised that it's not Urshela and that's Yanni Diaz, but I'm just as excited to see what he has to offer and certainly by all accounts has a very stand-up uh, offensive bat and can, can offer some production there. Um, one final piece of news from, from the Indians, uh, Roberto Perez agreeing uh, to a four-year, $9 million deal. Chris, that seems like a smart, low-cost move. Uh, any problems with that? No, not at all. I, I like when you have talent in your organization, especially talent that showed some potential in the late season run last year in Roberto Perez. Excellent defensive catcher. Needs to get that batting average up as we talked about, but he certainly showed enough in the playoffs that, you know what, Gomes and Perez is a heck of a one-two punch at catcher um, defensively. Uh, it would be nice if they could, if Jan Gomes could return to the normal hitting Jan Gomes that we're accustomed to, then uh, they, they both wouldn't be such a liability in the offense. And one last point is, uh, I think the next non-catcher to go down, uh, Yershela will be up. I think Yershela is like the 26th man on that roster. Yeah. And will certainly, I, I, it, would be, it would be very surprising if Yershela doesn't do any time in the big leagues this year. Yeah, that's a good point for sure. Um, well, opening day uh, is here. It's upon us. Uh, we will certainly keep you all posted with uh, Indians happenings and, uh, and what's going on as they start uh, the, the, the new season uh, in baseball. Um, looking down south to Columbus, uh, as the NBA wraps up their season, so does the NHL. Columbus Blue Jackets sitting second in the Metropolitan Division in the Eastern Conference with 106 points. That is uh, third best in, in all of NHL in terms of point totals. They're behind the Washington Capitals, and the Pittsburgh Penguins are right behind them with 105 points in the same division. So you got three of the four teams uh, with over 100 points all in the same division. Uh, that's kind of unfortunate, but Blue Jackets are set to make the postseason uh and make some noise potentially though they are going to draw a first round matchup against the pittsburgh penguins which doesn't seem fair but that's i guess how uh the seeding works in the nhl chris i mean 
ideally the 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 Blue Jackets would play somebody of lesser caliber than uh, the Penguins, which are one of the better teams in the league. But um, what can you do? This is the seeing that we have. Are you, does that make you nervous for a first round exit? Well, certainly Pittsburgh has been one of the most consistent teams in the NHL. They're the defending Stanley Cup champions. And even if somehow the bracket shakes out another way, I mean, it's either going to be Washington or Pittsburgh in that first round if they finish in those in the two or the three seeds. So it's not like they're going to have an easy go of it unless they can catch Washington and win the division. They're only four point, points back. And as we record, they are playing Washington right now. So if they win that game, they could cut that deficit down and possibly send Washington into that matchup with Pittsburgh um, and then, and then of course, you know they I, they also play Pittsburgh this week uh, to round out the season. So another opportunity there. Uh, I, yeah, that's their next game on Tuesday. So um, certainly, it's going to be exciting to see Columbus's finish because if they can pull out this win against Washington, they have a shot to win the division and avoid the Capitals or Penguins altogether. That would be the most ideal situation is to stick those two in the, in the, in the first round and play one of the other wild cards. But you know what? It, it would be exciting to see Columbus take down Pittsburgh. Cause I, I mean, I, I think that that would be a nice little regional uh, clash. Uh, you have a lot of Pittsburgh haters in Columbus because a lot of Browns fans in Columbus. Uh, so I, I think that that would be a fun series. Uh, and so if they will, if they have to finish second, it would be nice if they face Pittsburgh, just because I think it would be a more entertaining series uh, than perhaps Washington. Yeah, I, obviously that's ideal. Um, it seems like they've been chasing Washington all year, so I, I think that the Blue Jackets are set to be either that second or third seed, which either way would net a draw against the Penguins. So um, that seems to be what we're what we're heading towards. But you're you're right. There's certainly chances they have, they play five more games, uh, two of them against uh, these these top opponents. Um, so that there's chance for for that to change. But I think that we're headed towards that, which uh, certainly makes me nervous. And and I think. Uh, uh, that that's a little bit unfair, but um, again, uh, that that's how it works out. And, and we're we're gonna do an NHL playoff podcast uh, in in next week and, and get you primed for that. So we will certainly have more news uh, as, as that NHL uh, playoff standings and, and seating uh, take shape and solidify. And so we uh, look forward to that as we do that next week. Um, but Chris, we are on the cusp of some uh, NCAA basketball champions. Uh, most interestingly, uh, it, it happened on the women's side. UConn losing after 111 game winning streak. Is, is that right? That's 111 games in a row, yeah. four straight national championships. Just complete and utter dominance for the last five years. Uh, then they get. I mean, it was one of the most entertaining basketball games of the year. Fantastic finish with Mississippi State knocking them off. Uh, those two teams are playing for the title. They're playing against South Carolina for the title. Um, as we record, but Bob, it, 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 I think this is a really good thing for the women's game for for this UConn team to to look mortal and be knocked off. Uh, it shows that there there's more than just one team ruling women's basketball. I think a lot of great programs over the years haven't gotten their due because UConn has just been so dominant. Yeah, that's a good. That's a very good point. Uh, I think it would take more than one loss for for. Uh, it, the UConn to look mortal, but for it to happen in the Final Four uh, on, on the largest stage of the the women's basketball scene um, certainly helps. But I, I I do think it would take more than just one loss because uh, you know UConn rattled off this 111 game win streak after 
winning four national titles before that or, or something like that. So, I mean, they, they have had a chokehold on the women's game. Um, and, and I don't think one loss is certainly going to change anything, but uh, I agree with you. It's, uh, you need more than one a team. You need some competition for, for people to get interested in it. Um, chasing history, chasing the streak is only interesting so many times. Uh, I would very much be interested in having some other teams get in the spotlight and have some actual competition in the women's game. I agree with you on that point. Bob, on the men's side, my team, Gonzaga, my pick, still alive. My bracket's dead, but I could still pick the title. Yeah, that's... I- I'm pulling for Mark Few, man. And that's all I'm saying. I-, I hope they do it. Well, yeah, I mean, I-, I hope that you hope they do it. You picked them. I mean, I don't <laughs> abandon ship now. Uh, that's that's good. That's impressive. Um, to, I-, I thought they were both really good games. Uh, Gonzaga being South Carolina in the final four and UNC uh, rebounding the snot out of Oregon uh, and winning that game late. Uh, kind of an incredible finish there as well. Um, I think it's going to be a good matchup. I, I think it's going to be entertaining. Um, but yeah, Im- impressive pick on, on your part. Picking the title. Well, first off, first off, they got to win it first. Uh, secondly, that UNC game, man, UNC missing all four of those free throws. They really had no business winning that. I mean, when you go 0 for 4 in the last, you know, 10 seconds, kudos to them for rebounding. But against Kentucky, against um, Oregon, they have really played with fire in late game situations. You know, they have struggled against the press. They have struggled to get the ball in in the last two minutes, and they struggle to make free throws. Uh, That could really come back to bite them in the national championship game. I expect a good game. Gonzaga is a very good defensive team, um, very dynamic team, very well coached as well. Um, So, you know, like you said, I'm not bailing on my pick now, but but UNC, man, they've had two kind of heart attack games in a row, um, and and they've gotten by, but but they have not executed – to their maximum potential. So that'll be interesting to watch and see if they can survive another late game crunch or, or if it'll be, I, it might not be a close game, but I imagine it would be given how good these teams are. I'd be surprised if it wasn't a pretty tight game. Yeah. It'll be entertaining for sure. Um, yeah, I, I agree with you. The UNC, uh, definitely, uh, looked at times in both those games to to be wanting to to let the other team win but uh they, they certainly won in some unconventional means and by some heroics that uh were necessitated by their own faults so uh do they have that magic one more time in the championship game usually these games are a little bit tighter uh not as crazy and, and with with such fantastic finishes so I, I don't know if they'll be able to do that but I again I agree with you I think it'll be an entertaining matchup for sure all right well that is the news for the week uh, we'll close out with our fake headlines Chris what do you want to see this week well, I really hope this headline doesn't stay fake for long, but we've had a Jose Ramirez deal. We've had a Roberto Perez deal. I, I think those are just kind of the appetizers to the deal everyone in Cleveland wants. Francisco Lindor deal. Let's see a long-term deal for one of the most electrifying young stars in baseball. Has a bright future, just as bright as his huge smile. He's getting endorsement deals left and right. Is becoming more marketable after the World Baseball Classic. Uh, the sky is the limit. It is time to buy, buy, buy Francisco Lindor, and that means lock him up long-term and keep him as the cornerstone of this franchise because he is becoming everyone's favorite player, and I want to see him in an Indians uniform for a very long time. 
Oh, for sure. I, uh, I would love to see that. That would be fantastic news. Um, if it happens this week, great. Um, they have plenty of time to get a deal done. So, uh, you know, it, it'll happen when it happens. I don't foresee Francisco Lindor leaving the Indians without at least signing this initial deal. Um, that would be a travesty and it would be uh, ridiculous for him to walk. So I think it's certainly going to happen maybe not this week, but Hey, if that does happen, uh, I, that would be a great cause to celebrate for sure. Um, my headline, I'm going with, uh, something in the Cavs big game against Boston. I want to see like a 20 point win against the Celtics. I just want them to shut them up. They can go into the garden and just shut them down, win the series, the season series three to one, and just take away any momentum or confidence that they had that they were actually the top team to beat in the East. This is the last marquee matchup that the Cavs have. Um, I don't anticipate the Cavs playing anybody on their last game of the season against the Raptors. So this is probably the last chance they have to, uh, on a national stage, make a huge statement. I just want them to blow them out the water and just shut everybody up. Yo, I, I agree wholeheartedly, but it could be interesting if Toronto, say, cuts that game, that lead down to one for the 2-3. Maybe the Cavs do try to win that game just to secure Eastern Conference semifinals home court. So that it could be interesting, but I agree with you. It's more likely they rest their guys. Uh, but yeah, I, I, hey, look, man, I would love nothing more than for the Celtics to get blown out by the Cavs or anyone really. So I'm all for that fake headline. I hope it becomes reality on Thursday. Yeah. Yeah, me too. And just the last point about that Raptors series, they do hold they're three and zero against the Raptors this season, so they have that tiebreaker. So it would take a lot, a little bit more than that, which I think is even better. I think this Celtics game is probably the last time we see the Cavs on ESPN really play somebody uh, on the big stage. Yeah, you're right. They had to be tied for the two seed going into that game for it to matter. Then if the Cavs had the tiebreaker, so be tougher, but. It's still, they're only two and a half games out, so it's not Very not inconceivable to think. But hopefully it doesn't come to that. Hopefully hopefully Bob's headline comes true and it doesn't come to that and the, and the Cavs still stay in the top two. But we will find out next week because the Eastern Conference playoff picture is going to get a lot more clearer uh, after another week of games. It won't be 100% settled in, but it will be a lot more clearer next week. We know the NHL playoff bracket will be set by the time we record next week, and we're certainly going to throw some love down to Columbus because I think it's really exciting that the Blue Jackets are going to be in the playoffs after a fantastic season. So really excited for that. But unfortunately, our time has come. We're out of time on here on Klee Talk, so please come back to FriendlyRoadSports.com. Catch up on all our old episodes. You can subscribe via iTunes by clicking the icon in the corner or searching Fenley Road Sports and clicking Klee Talk, then clicking subscribe. It's really that easy. Come back to FriendlyRoadSports.com and follow us on Twitter or Instagram by searching Fenley Road Sports. We thank you for your support. We record Klee Talk every single week. We'll be back next week in another episode, but until then, go Tribe. Go Cavs and go Blue Jackets. Bring them all home, man. It's 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 a fun week for Ohio sports. We're going to include Columbus in it this time, Bob. All right. That sounds good. I'll talk to you soon, Chris. All right, man. Take it easy, Bob.